Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hi friends, David here from Learn Stage Lighting. And on this show, I want to do something a little bit different. So this is something actually that I've been thinking about for a little while. Um, And what I've been thinking about doing is just doing like a live Q&A per se on all things lighting or whatever. Um, And I've done Q&As in the past and you know, it's funny. Q&As are funny, okay? Sending questions into podcasts, stuff like that. Simply because, um, as I fumble with my headphones, sorry, simply because um, I used to take questions in through my questions email for the podcast, and there were kind of two weird problems with it. The first is that um, I didn't get very many questions. Like, I was surprised at how few questions I got. Uh, Even when, you know, there was a time uh, where I was really pushing the podcast and we had uh, more listeners than we have right now uh, because I've been kind of slagging off this year. And I just never got that many podcasts. And I was always surprised by that. It always kind of confused me. And it was funny because just earlier this week, I was listening to a podcast from Seth Godin. If you're not familiar with Seth, he does marketing. He's a marketing expert. He's very good at what he does. And he has some very interesting ways of looking at the world and at marketing. Um, And he, he explains things really well. And he takes questions, and and this past week on the show, he was answering a question, and he just made a note when he went into it that just said, you know, if you have a question, send it in. Because honestly, like, and this guy has a huge online platform. I mean, his platform online is is way massive compared to mine, if you're not familiar with who he is um, in the business space. he's, He's really big. And... He's like, you know, less people send in questions than you might think. And I just thought that was so interesting. So um, so anyways, that, that gave me the idea a while ago that I wanted to try this out sometime. Just doing like a Q&A, basically. Um, but doing it through Facebook groups, okay? So... Like, I'm in a Facebook group called Church Sound and Media Techs. And let me know if there's, like, any groups about... Um, actually, I can go to uh, Everything Stage Lighting as well is a good one. So I'm going to pull that one up, too. Okay, pulling it up right now. And I want to just answer questions that are in there. Because one of the things that I really dislike about Facebook groups and, and online forums and things like that... Like, I understand that Facebook groups are there that there can be helpful, but a lot of times people get in there and one of a couple things happen, and you're probably familiar with this if you've ever been in any of these groups, is that um, is that the thing is with them, you uh, if you ask a question, you get a ton of answers. And sometimes those answers literally conflict with each other, or maybe they may not work with something else you've got in your system, etc. Um, there can be a lot of problems. Also, uh, sometimes if you ask a question specifically on the stage lighting one, not as bad. It's not as bad in the church world, um, but it is there when people ask questions and then you know they ask they they really don't have a lot of background, right? And they're asking a question about lighting or whatever, and you know, they, they just don't have a lot of detail or they're not sure, whatever. 
And they get really rude responses from people like, you know, if you don't know that, you shouldn't be doing this and, you know, things like that, right? And I hate that. Like, I hate when people get discouraged away from this world. And sure, I don't, you know, particularly tune a lot of my content here online for people who are making lighting as their career. I I focus more on the hobbyists and things like that. And people who do lighting for their church, and and some of those people are professionals. Um, but generally, people that solely do lighting as a profession don't really fit inside my platform here. And the reason why, honestly, just to go on another quick tangent, is just that um, most of the companies out there, most of the training that goes out there in the world that's aimed at stage lighting aims at the professional user. Um, and so when I saw that there was really nothing for the people that weren't a professional user... That's just where I aimed at. Um, And I appreciate that because, like, besides me talking to the basic to intermediate level user, pretty much all the stuff out there is from specific manufacturers, and so they're only going to push their products in the way that they want to. And they're never going to give you an answer or give you a solution that involves products from two different brands. And I hate that. And and that's also why, you know, just (laughs) yet another tangent... I decided earlier this year to start doing learn stage lighting gear because I, I started basically a new motto for myself for the site. I, I don't think I've shared it publicly, uh, but myself, JP, and others who work with me go by this motto. And it is helping amazing people create extraordinary lighting for their events, okay? And with everything I do here on this site, on learn stage lighting, that's what I want to facilitate. I say, okay, is what I'm doing, is what I'm thinking about, facilitating that end goal. And if it's not, I don't do it. You know, um, if it's not, it's just a waste of time. Right. And so, um, and so anywho, um, you know, what I want to recommend is, uh, is, or what I want to recommend, what I want to do here is I want to go ahead and just go through some questions. I'm just going to scroll through. You know, today is August 12th. I'm just going to look at some of the questions that come in here, okay? Um, and just answer them. The way that I'm going to answer them, I'm not looking at the answers from other people, um, etc. I just want to answer the questions, answer them honestly, and give people qu- things that will go with. And the purpose, there's, there's really two good purposes to it. Uh, the first is that it helps you see, like, when... When I'm hit with the problem as a professional lighting designer, lighting problem solver, and all of the above, um, you know, how do I solve it and, and the thought process that goes through it? Because then when you hit similar problems, it doesn't even have to be the same problem. You can see that thought process here and begin to work through it on your own. And the second is if you had that same question or some very similar question, it will now be answered for you. Um, so obviously this doesn't necessarily help the person on the other end, but at the same time, when I used to do podcasts with Q and a, um, that was one of the frustrations is, you know, I do them once a month or once every two months. And so if somebody asked a question, you know, it would be, um, you know, probably a month or so before I recorded the podcast and then a couple more weeks. So maybe as much as two months before they actually heard their answer on the podcast, at which point. They either gave up, found an answer elsewhere, or did something else, right? So that wasn't really helpful. Um, and so, you know, as I mentioned with my motto, if if it's not helpful to people, then I shouldn't be doing it, right? Um, so somebody asks here, do you need 
a opto splitter that's rated for RDM for it to work. Looking at buying some fixtures with RDM capabilities, um, but I use the Chauvet DJ RD, Data Stream 4, rather, which aren't listed as RDM capable. Will it make a difference? Okay, great question. So RDM, for those who aren't familiar, is called Remote Device Management. I believe I got that right. And it's just a way for lighting fixtures to talk back to the console or control surface, okay? So your computer, your console, whatever, can um, basically send out a short command over a regular DMX cable to a fixture that has RDM, and if they're both compatible with RDM, and it can then hear from the fixture information about that fixture, okay? Um, and so what that means is um, you can get things like lamp hours, temperatures of sensors, and some of the best features of RDM are that you uh, can change the DMX address. You can change the mode. Pretty much anything that you can change within the menu of the fixture, you can change um, via RDM. So it's really powerful. Now, to get onto the question, uh, if you're using a DMX splitter, if you do want to use RDM, it has to be RDM compatible um, because it's a two-way communication and the old DMX splitters or just cheaper ones that are not RDM compatible, um, they only work in one direction in, in sending the DMX out because for a long time, that was all you could possibly need, okay? What happens if, if you have an RDM fixture and a DMX splitter that's not compatible. Well, then DMX will still work fine. You just can't use the RDM, or if you need to use the RDM, you'll have to bypass the splitter for a second. So sometimes in testing, like I do shows uh, for different companies, and a lot of companies have non-RDM splitters around, right? They've had them for a long time, or they're just cheaper. And if I need to hit something with RDM, I can grab a handheld tester. I have a City Theatrical DMX CAD. It's it's a really great one. Um, it's Bluetooth, so you can walk around away from it with your phone um, and control it. But I could just grab my tester and plug it in, unplug the output from the splitter, plug in the DMX CAD, hit RDM, and then I'll be able to change what I need. Or if I'm doing it from the console, I could just unplug the DMX from the splitter, plug in only the output from the splitter that I need, do whatever I need to do with RDM, and plug it back in. So, you know, yes, it's much more convenient, of course, uh, for RDM to use a splitter that is compatible. Is it necessary? Not 100%, and things will work without them, okay? Another great question, actually, I see this a lot. Um, people talk about these uh, Ethernet RJ45 connectors, um, Ethernet cable basically to quad DMX5 pin, okay? So, so what these are is you might see these, you might see a box, like there's a Rat Sound makes them, uh, pretty much all the major cable manufacturers make these things, and on Amazon there's brands like Lynx Pro, I believe it is, and it's like four DMX jacks, or four XLR3 pins, to a box that has an RJ45, or what we would call an Ethernet connector on it. Now it's not actually Ethernet, because Ethernet is the type of signal and that can travel down that cable uh, in a computer network. Um, I think I got that right, but I digress. Richard Cadena, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I just butchered that. Uh, but, but that's a technicality that's not overly important at this moment. Um, but there are these boxes that allow you to really inexpensively, over a network cable, run four lines of DMX. They work great. Um, so somebody was asking about them here. Do they work? Do they not? What's the deal? They work great with DMX. Um, the things to know 
is it's not ArtNet or SACN. So you can't just plug in the network port on your computer or console on one end and one of these boxes on the other and expect it to work. Okay. Not going to work. All right. Um, you know, also, you, um, you, uh, what else do you need to know? Um, it's going to be, you know, it's just using the network cable. Okay. So you can't go ahead and, like, you know, plug in uh, a network switch in the middle of two of these boxes, right? It's not actually a network signal. It's just using the eight wires that are in that Ethernet jack to send DMX. It's kind of the same as just running DMX down that network cable because you could do it with a single universe. There's adapters for it, and some people even put the XLR jacks on the actual uh, DMX cable, which is not really recommended, but it does work uh, for most of the time. It's just the cable doesn't solder well. Um, And that works, too, because ultimately... Ethernet cable is designed for a digital signal similar to DMX. It meets all the capabilities of DMX, and you can run it there. Okay, so that is a good answer as well. Let's see. Let's go find another question here. I'm enjoying this. Are you guys enjoying this today? I'm enjoying this. Okay, let's see. Let me pause this and find a good question for you. All right, got a great question here. So uh, somebody's writing this guy, Andrew, that he has six LED wash lights. I'm just Chauvet Park Quad 18s. Um, and they live on the stage at their church, I think. It looks like a church. It might not be. It might be. might be a venue. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, and they used to just unplug them every day to not leave them powered on 24-7. And that's a really good idea. First off, that's a really good idea. Okay? So if you... Um, you know, with LED fixtures, they all have power supplies that, you know, take the 120 volt or whatever your voltage is in your country. They take that power and they bring it down to DC power to actually control the LEDs. And these power supplies, even the good ones, have a finite life to them. So it's not like where, you know, you used to have dimmer packs. And I mean, they have a power supply, but it used to be with dimmer packs and conventional lights that you'd just leave all your lighting rig on all the time. You know, the lights themselves and the bulbs were completely off. There was no power running through them. And thus, you know, things lasted a very long time. With LED fixtures, moving lights, things like that, um, it's generally advantageous and just generally a good idea to power them off when you're not using them. There are a few ways to do this, okay? Um, And... Uh, we'll get into that in a second. And this person here um, got an Alation Unibar, which is a kind of a one-channel DMX dimmer um, that can be turned into a uh, a switched pack, as they call it. Okay, um, and so with uh, those with those guys, uh, there's there's a couple things that are going on. So. When it comes to it, you go ahead and, if, you know, people used to try to do this where you said, okay, I want to run some LEDs or some moving lights off of a dimmer, or I want to be able to turn them off when we're not using them. So we put them on a dimmer and we just always run that dimmer at full. We And it's either full or off. It's off when we're not there. It's full when we are there. And everything's hunky-dory, right? No. Okay, so... Dimmer packs and and switches and relays 101. Relay is what you actually want. So a dimmer slash switch pack is really not the right tool for this, okay? 
Because at the end of the day, we're, we turn our fixtures off when they're not in use so that um, ultimately we, we save them on, on the lifetime, right? They last longer. It's more time before components inside them fail because that's going to happen. Even high-quality LED fixtures, it's a good idea to pull power to them when you're not in use. Now, if it's like a house light, Sure, you probably can't do that. But for stages, you generally can do this, right? Unless you're literally 24-7, which most stages are not anywhere near that. It's a good idea to pull power when you're not using things. So this person here said uh, that they were using the single channel pack to basically turn power on and off. And so it's a single channel dimmer. And it has a switch mode in it where things would either be at full or off. And they generally say, you know, this is great for fog machines or whatever. Like you can, if you have a non-DMX fog machine, for example, like a lot of the cheaper ones don't have DMX, you can plug it into the pack, bring it up to full, and basically tape down the button or short out the button so that it's always on when you turn it on. Sure, there's a warm-up time and all that, but... It's rudimentary control, right? Um, but the problem with this, the problem with using a dimmer pack for um, for switching things on and off is that even when it's at full, the dimmer pack, whichever type it is, there's a few different types, does not put out the same type of power as straight, clean wall power, okay? It does not. That's the frustrating thing about it. When when people when you go and look at it, you pull it up on like an oscilloscope or you measure. Um, and the voltage isn't always going to tell you the story, but if you look at the characteristics of that electricity, it's dirty. Okay, it's not high quality, and so basically, you've gone and you're trying to use this dimmer pack to turn something on and off with good intention um, to save it on its life. And what turns out happening is instead, now when it's on, you're sending it dirty power, okay? Um, and that's insanely frustrating because now you're actually sending bad power to the fixtures. And so you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and you're not really doing any good, okay? So what's the right answer? How do you do this? Well, you know... These little single channel dimmer packs are usually 100, 120 bucks um, around there. They're pretty simple, okay? Um, the only single channel product I know on the market that does this kind of stuff, that does uh, a relay, is the ETC Color Source Relay. I'm not a direct dealer, um, though I can get them, but um, you know, you could just buy them online. They're about $250. Uh, for a DMX version, they have wireless DMX, DMX versions as well. Um, and, you know, they work. Um, they work really well. They're incredible. They, they basically, when DMX comes on in the default mode, they turn on. When DMX turns off, they shut off. Um, you can also set them in a few different modes, an RDM-based mode as well as a uh, DMX channel mode where you give it a specific DMX channel and then... It um, it basically uses that channel. You know, when once you hit fifty percent or ninety nine percent or whatever it is, it turns on. And if you drop below that level, it then turns off. Okay, um, and so you know that's how it works. It's that simple. Um, sure, they're two hundred and forty bucks. So ultimately, you know, 
you basically have to, um, you know, have enough money in fixtures to make a $240 switch box make sense. Now, let's think about this for a second. If you do have enough money in gear that that makes sense, you know, go buy the ETC color source uh, relay, buy it today, be done with it, and enjoy getting more life out of the fixtures that you paid for without any consequences. You know, just 240 bucks for an ETC color source relay. Knowing ETC and knowing how they build things, that relay will probably be around for a very long time, okay, um, before it needs to be replaced. But if you're looking at your rig, you're looking at the lights you have, and you say, you know, like like this post, this guy, he, you know, has some pretty expensive Chauvet LEDs and not a lot of them. And so maybe, you know, he's got like 800 bucks into these things and he doesn't want to buy a $240 box to protect them because that just seems excessive. It's like over a quarter of the cost of these things, right? You know, maybe that doesn't make sense because by the time these lights die anyways, there will be way nicer things on the market for the same cost, you know, etc. So if you do want like a cheapo option, you're like, okay, I just want something cheap. Look at the little remote controls on Amazon or at the hardware store that you can use to switch an outlet on and off for Christmas lights. Um, you could potentially use smart plugs too. The only thing you have to watch out for, and this is important, is these type of units, whether smart plugs or these little remote operated plugs, um, typically have lower amperage ratings as to how much power you can put through them. And also, um, they're just not a commercially built product. They're not built for commercial use. And so if you think about it, you're pretty much resting your show on this, right? Like if, if a smart plug or a little remote thing dies in the middle of your show or right before your show and it's not accessible, um, and you can't get to it, you literally will not be able to get power to your system to run your show. So just think about that for a second. And I would, my recommendation would be don't go with a cheap remote or a smart plug or anything like that. Instead, just go ahead. If, you know, the $240 for the color source relay makes sense in your particular context, if, you know, it's the kind of thing where you go, you know, I spend 3000 or more dollars maybe on this stuff. I should spend $240 or maybe I need two relays um, to protect it. Or at least I, I protect my most expensive parts like the moving heads or whatever. You know, you, you protect that part, right? Um, you know, and, and you do that. Um, and if it's less than that, if it's not a lot of money in gear, you know, I would not worry about it. Unplug it or whatever. You know, at the end of the night, you can turn off the breakers. But I don't know if I would feel comfortable chancing a smart plug or a little cheapy remote over my show, right? Again, depends on your context, depends on your needs, your environment, what the expectation is of, you know, what happens if the lights don't work, right? Um, are you fired forever? Well, then $240 is, you know, not a bad investment, right? <laughs> so, um, also with relays, if you do have a centralized dimmer rack in your system, um, even if it's an old one, a lot of the times there are relay modules available for those. So you can pull the dimmer out, put in a relay, um, and be able to turn that power on and off on that circuit. Um, if you don't already have a centralized dimmer rack, then chances are going with a relay, like the color source relay, is going to be your best bet. 
if you are permanently installing and things don't need to move around, um, ETC does also have other options that are permanent install. And they do, they're a little bit cheaper, I think. Um, and they're just more permanent. So, anywho, more information than you probably wanted to know on a few different topics. But if you enjoyed this, head over to iTunes, head over to Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know what you think of the show. And I will be checking in on those, and I'll check in with you guys uh, in a couple weeks. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day.